Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. So, hey, Alex, thanks for joining us on the show today. Hey, Tara, glad to be here. Yeah, so you are calling in from Boston, right? I am beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. And why don't you? Why don't we start by just having you introduce yourself and Fair Food? Absolutely, happy to. So uh, I'm Alex Linko. I'm the director of the Fair Food Fund, which is the impact investing arm of Fair Food Network. Uh, so Fair Food Network is actually a national nonprofit, and we're really all about growing community health and wealth through food. Um, so our signature program uh, is called Double Up Food Bucks, and it's really a national model for healthy food incentives, which we've been running since 2009 and scaled up now across operating across 20 states throughout the country. We also lead uh, pipeline development and business assistance for a $30 million fund in Michigan mm-hmm. called the, Good, uh, the Michigan Good Food Fund. Um, and then our impact investing arm, uh, the Fair Food Fund, which I manage, we invest in early-stage food entrepreneurs that are growing community health and wealth uh, by providing really patient and customized financing and business assistance uh, to good food entrepreneurs. And these are really two critical needs that um, good food enterprises face as they grow. So again, I manage our Fair Food Fund program. And um, I'll just say since our launch in 2012, we've provided over $3.6 million uh, in a combination of financing and business assistance to uh, over 80 enterprises across nine states in the northeastern U.S. Um, And the enterprises that that we've supported. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to say that those enterprises have gone on, created over 150 jobs, supported uh, over a thousand family farms, about half of which are certified organic and purchased nearly $25 million in local food. Um, and so really through all of our work at Fair Food Network, you know, what, what we do is we tap into the potential of food um, really to improve health uh, grow local economies, and create opportunities for more people in more places. Mm-hmm. When I work with organizations, I see organizations around the country that are doing kind of um, social impact work in food, right? They, they, If they have a fund, they tend to be small and they do kind mm-hmm. of start up. It's almost like micro-lending kind of stuff. And, and I think one of the things that's really unique about what you do th- – through the fund is that at least this is my impression is that you are you are participating at a scale that is bigger than a micro lending fund would. Well, that's that's absolutely right. You know, I think of the Fair Food Fund as being the next step up mm-hmm. uh, above and beyond micro lending, um, and there are some really fantastic uh, micro lenders out there. Um, in Michigan and in the Northeast, um, our friends at the Carrot Project come to mind. Right. Uh, you know, but we, the, the enterprises that, that, that we see and, and typically work with at Fair Food Fund are, are at that next level mm-hmm. and ready to take that next 
uh, leap. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we and we what we really try to do is uh, meet them where they are uh, with the kind of customized financing and business assistance mm-hmm. um, that are that are really necessary to to help take them where they want to go. Right. Um, and what that oftentimes means is that we're coming in. Um, at a point where a business has been in operation for a year or more, they have a track record of um, uh, sales of, you know, at least $100,000 over the trailing 12 months. Um, they've got a full-time management team in place, um, and they've got a really clear vision and, and path mm-hmm. uh, to get to break even and profitability, even if they're not turning a profit. At that time, um, and oftentimes, um, you know, these types of community food enterprises, um, these are farm-to-table caterers, these are sustainable aquaculture businesses, mm-hmm. uh, greenhouse operations, uh, dairy businesses. Um, oftentimes, the entrepreneurs have a tremendous amount of intelligence, passion, creativity, great ideas, great products, um, and just need the right type of capital and the right type of uh, support mm-hmm. to help them put the pieces into place that that, that set them uh, off on the right foot for successful growth and development. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, um, there are just so many things in what you do that I want to learn more about because um, because I tend to, at Food Finance Institute, we tend to work with companies that are in the same sphere, like in that same stage, right? And, right. And, and um, here in the Midwest, we don't really have anybody like you. And so what, Midwest meaning Wisconsin, not Michigan. Um, and so I end up working with a lot of this kind of stage company, the kind of the go-to strategy around here is to get people um, to use a SBA 7A and do some debt financing to try to help them get mm-hmm. the working capital they need and maybe they have some equipment they have to buy or whatever, or that kind of a scenario. Just because we don't really have a more flexible, creative source of funding out here. Um, but then then that leaves the equity hole, right? Um, so right. In, in your case, do you do both equity and debt or one or the we, other? We or? do. We do. We really take a, a, a patient, flexible, customized capital approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't believe that there is a one-size-fits-all solution for the types of emerging uh, good food, community food enterprises that we're serving. So mm-hmm. we've done a range of different types of financing. Um, in some cases, we've done loans, mm-hmm. um, but actually more frequently, we've done either near equity or mm-hmm. equity financing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, you know, as we have grown and, and developed and, and learned over the past five plus years of operating the Fair Food Fund, we've actually become most comfortable in the, in the near equity mm-hmm. space, um, which is where I think there's actually the most room for, for innovation and, and the most room for us to get uh, creative in the mm-hmm. way that we support emerging food entrepreneurs. Uh, and also, you know, as a 
as a small and growing financial institution, um, find ways to generate uh, some level of cash flow and, and mitigate our risk. Sure. So it's really about striking that right balance for the entrepreneur and for the investor. Mm-hmm. So where does the money come from for your fund? Is it um, individual investors? Was it philanthropically funded? Like where? Because because part of what sure. I'm where I'm going with this is. Um, you know, we we thought about here. Um, I I was the president of Slow Money here for a while, and we were working on trying mm-hmm. to set up a fund here. And to make the math work, um, we would have to get really big. Uh, I mean, really big, not in the world of finance, but right. it seemed like we needed to have like a twenty million in money under management in order to even really pay for salaries. And, and and it just started getting to the point where, wow, we couldn't even, there isn't enough deal flow in the state to make something like that work. And then the other issue was these businesses, how do you get a high enough return to the investors? Because, right. yeah, so I was wondering, like, how you guys work through all that out there. Yeah, well, it's, it's challenging. I mean, you raised a lot of uh, great issues that um, we've been grappling with and, and addressing over the past five plus years and moving forward. And so, I guess I would start by saying uh, maybe we're we're just a little bit more optimistic, and we think we can get to a um, financially sustainable fund size at around fifteen million dollars mm-hmm. uh, in capital deployed, but right in the right in the ballpark. Of, right. I think what what you all. Where it came kind of with. came up with, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let me t- let me take a step back and and address your original question, which is um, how do we how do we source funds mm-hmm. uh, for for the for the Fair Food Fund? Um, and so I I'll go all the way back to uh, let's see, I started full time uh, with the Fair Food Fund in in two thousand and eleven. Uh, I I was actually doing my uh, graduate work at mm-hmm. University of Michigan, studying for my MBA and mm-hmm. Master's in Sustainable Systems. And while I was there, pretty pretty quickly realized that I wanted to hone in on on food systems um, and ultimately sustainable food enterprise. Uh, you know, food is just so foundational to our communities. Um, mm-hmm. The way we grow food, the way we process food, transport food, the way we regulate it. Um, it's critical to our social, economic, environmental health. Um, and it just more and more felt like the right path for me to pursue. Um, and so I hooked up with uh, Oren Hesterman, who's the founder of Fair Food Network, uh, early in, in two thousand. Nine, I interned with Fair Food Network as it was just getting off the ground mm-hmm. summer of 2009, summer of 2010. So really kind of got in at the ground floor, which was tremendously exciting. And then, uh, you know, Oren and I kept in touch and uh, he, he actually approached me fall of 2010 and, and said, hey, I, you know, I've, I've got this idea and I've got this funder that's um, interested in allocating a significant amount of their resources um, to support uh, farm viability, specifically in the northeastern United States. And and he said, you know, after doing some research and 
and talking with some of the leaders in, in the field, folks like Gary Hirschberg, mm-hmm. Stonyfield, and yeah. Kathleen Merrigan, who was Deputy Secretary of USDA at that time, uh, among many others, the theme that bubbled up was we need investment in the food system infrastructure, the business infrastructure mm-hmm. that connects local farms and eaters. And he said, he said, so I'm in a conversation with this foundation about uh, making a grant to mm-hmm. Fair Food Network to launch and pilot a fund that would invest in those mm-hmm. types of businesses, um, invest in that missing middle infrastructure, as we like to call it at Fairfield Network and, and the fund. And I said, wow, that sounds like a fantastic opportunity. And he said, well, why don't you work with me um, to write a planning grant proposal? I signed on almost immediately, um, and I ended up spending from the summer of 2011 through early 2012 doing um, just a, a, a ton of outreach and business planning, talking to all manner of um, farmers and entrepreneurs, funders, lenders, investors, driving all over uh, New England and the Northeast with my notepad, and really uh, uh, understanding what what was what was needed and what a fund could and should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, the result of it was a major grant proposal um, that we submitted in 2012, and it was funded uh, in summer of 2012. So that. And and that um, seed grant for Fair Food Fund was a it was a three point seven five million dollar challenge grant, mm-hmm. and the way that it was set up was that uh, we we received uh, one point two five million dollars upfront to begin making investments to launch our technical assistance work, which mm-hmm. we realized early on was a critical piece of the puzzle. Um, and to fund our operations as we started to get going. And I spent a lot of time uh, over the next couple of years uh, raising the required matching funds mm-hmm. uh, to bring on those subsequent two tranches of the additional seed funding. Um, and, you know, now looking back over the past uh, six-plus years, um, we've raised roughly $6.4 million mm-hmm. uh, in total uh, to support really a combination of investing, uh, technical assistance, and operations of the fund. And that funding has come from uh, over 20 uh, foundations uh, as well as a, uh, a couple of USDA grants. Mm-hmm. But the, the bulk of the funding that we've received in support of Fair Food Fund's work has come from private foundations. And most of that has been in the form of grants. Mm-hmm. Um, although I should say that we have also, as part of that uh, fundraising, we've also raised a handful of PRIs. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are program-related investments. Um, in our case, uh, those, are, those are loans uh, from uh, foundations uh, at low interest rates uh, over extended terms that give us 
a lot of flexibility uh, in terms of the type of capital that we can turn around and deploy to entrepreneurs. Right. So what's cool about that then is that you don't have the um, the same hurdle in terms of return that that you know if you can't if you can't fund these things philanthropically like you have and with grants like you have then you have to you have this hurdle of trying to generate enough right. return for your investors in the fund. Right, and that's a it. It, it creates a real challenge, right? Uh, it you know, sure so does. Food fund, and we are, you know, we are squarely an impact first fund. Mm-hmm. Um, so, really, what we strive to do uh, is create outsized social impact and reliable financial returns. But as soon as you flip that on its head, mm-hmm. um, as soon as you approach it from the financial first perspective. Um, it creates a completely different dynamic where you have a lot less flexibility in mm-hmm. terms of the type of capital you deploy and the length of time uh, over which that capital is deployed. Sure. Uh, and that and that can, and I've seen it happen, uh, create a mismatch between the type of capital that's being deployed and the type of capital that really and truly um, entrepreneurs in this space need. Right, right, right. Because I, I, as you know, I tell people that food and egg enterprises, um, they grow slowly, right? So we don't have these big hockey sticks of great returns really in a, you know, three to five year time frame. It's, it just doesn't work that way. So there is right. a big disconnect. In terms of impact right. now, yeah, so with you and your your impact lens, are you uh, maybe you could um just share what that is for you because impact means so many different things to so many different people, right? It does. It does. We started out uh with Fair Food Fund um with a primary focus on um supporting uh, the long-term financial viability uh, of small and mid-sized farms in the Northeast uh, by investing in, uh, again, what we call the missing middle infrastructure, so the processing, mm-hmm. distribution, and marketing infrastructure that connects uh, farms and eaters mm-hmm. uh, at, the en- at the end of the day. Uh, you know, and so we, so we originally placed a, a lot of emphasis on you know how how focused were the enterprises that that we were investing in? How focused were they on supporting farm viability? Mm-hmm. Um, and and we put and we put together a few years ago an annual impact survey that goes out uh, on an annual basis uh, to the, all of the businesses that we we work with every year um, and. And in terms of and in terms of how we have thought about impact historically, again, <clears throat> you know, we've placed a lot of emphasis on on farm viability. So so we've tracked how many farms and how many organic farms the businesses that we've invested in have worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, and over and over the the time that we've been tracking that impact, um, we can see that. Um, through the businesses that we've supported, um, those enterprises have supported over a thousand family farms um, and created over 150 jobs and purchased nearly $25 million of local food. Moving forward, we're really taking a bit of a broader lens. Um, we're really thinking 
about impact in terms of uh, growing uh, community health and wealth through food. Um, and, and so by doing so, um, we've actually um, just finished uh, a total revamp of our annual impact survey. It's a 10 mm-hmm. to 20 minute survey. And this year it's broken down into five sections. Um, the first being local food sourcing, the second being healthy food access. Um, in addition to that, uh, local economic impact, uh, as well as uh, leadership and ownership diversity, mm-hmm. um, which is, a, we think, a really critical piece uh, of the food system, um, and then taking a look at additional funding leverage mm-hmm. in addition to our investments. And so this revamp survey is really going to allow us to expand um, and refine the impacts that we track. We'll be able to track um, numbers still like farm-supported, um, but also healthy food sales, how much focus businesses are placing on healthy food access, um, which is a real critical piece of the puzzle uh, for Fair Food Network and for the food system as a whole. Um, we'll be able to track job creation um, mm-hmm. as well as a uh, number of women-owned and person-of-color-owned businesses and additional funds raised. Right. So we're taking a, a, a really a pretty holistic approach. Yeah, and you'll be able to um, track economic impact better because one of the things that I think we suffer from is – Um, You know, in the food system, when I say we, I mean people who work in food systems, is that um, the the, um, desire for social impact kind of swamps the the economic impact sometimes, and therefore we're not making a good case for the economic impact of things. And so I'm I'm interested in your metrics a lot because we too are trying to figure out how to how to structure how what you know what impacts that we're tracking and you know mm-hmm. and I think because of our the kinds of capital source limitations we have here and here I kind of have come out of a place where um, it's all about capital leverage. So you know when we right. did something similar um, to what you described for the boot camps that we've been doing around the country, it, it, it there's been ten million in capital deployed, but it's been from an uh, incredibly diverse range of sources, right and types of mm-hmm. sources. So i'm I'm sure you guys, you know, if you've deployed three million, you've leveraged you know ten x times that would be my guess. And I think, you know, one of the key points here, Tara, is that from my perspective, it, it takes a village, right? Mm-hmm. We, ha- we have to be in this together, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, we oftentimes uh, work with other uh, lenders, investors, and financial institutions. Um, you know, I can tell you, uh, early last year, we made a loan to an incredible business called Fresh Food Generation. They're doing farm-to-table catering uh, in Boston, in the Dorchester neighborhood. They also have a healthy food cafe at a health center in Dorchester, and they mm. and they run a food truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came to our they came to our boot camp, our three-day mm-hmm. intensive technical assistance program. Uh, way back in 2014, they won the pitch competition mm-hmm. there. We've provided some follow-on technical assistance, uh, right, to help them uh, mm-hmm. standardize their processes, their recipes, 
to get their um, their healthy food cafe up and running um, with standardized processes. Um, and more recently, we've supported some marketing strategy and communications work. But in in 2018, we worked really closely with our friends at Boston Impact Initiative, mm-hmm. um, a community uh, investment fund in, in Boston, um, and made a convertible debt investment as well as providing a, a line of credit. Um, and now uh, I serve on the advisory board of Fresh Food Generation, as does Mark Watson, uh, the managing director mm-hmm. of Boston Impact Initiative, and it's been—it's just been a really great experience in uh, direct collaboration and and working together to, um, you know, do a do a deal that's really really exciting, not not totally straightforward, mm-hmm. um, and to also you know pull from from our different experiences and um, and expertise to come up with the right structure, both in terms of the financing and the complementary business and technical assistance and um, mentorship and advisory services mm-hmm. that I think are helping to take fresh food generation to the next level. Sure. I, I think one of the, um, the other really interesting things about what you do is your emphasis on technical assistance, because I know other funds around the country who, or, and certainly conventional lenders are like this, are like, well, we don't have money for that, you know, and they and we are not going right. to pay for it, and the businesses can't pay for it, and so we're kind of, you know, asking these people to somehow learn all this stuff on their own, and it's just ridiculous to me that you know it's sort of survival of the fittest capitalism, right? We're just going to throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks when we know we can move the needle so much by giving really good, high-quality technical assistance. It's just crazy right. to me. Well, I, I, I completely agree with you, Tara, um, and, and that's why, you know, we've been emphasizing technical assistance uh, really from the very beginning mm-hmm. um, because we, we know that, you know, access to capital is a piece of the puzzle. It's a piece of the problem, and it's an important one. Um, but, you know, capital is, is like fuel, mm-hmm. right? And if, the, and if the vehicle is pointed in the, in the wrong direction, then the outcome is not going to be what any of us are looking for. So it, it's, it's really important to, in addition to the capital, provide the right type of uh, expertise, experience, uh, mentorship, networks, advisory services, one-on-one technical assistance—all of these pieces um, that help point the vehicle, point mm-hmm. the entrepreneur uh, in the right direction, and 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 most importantly, to support them right. on their journey. Right, right, and somehow that I—it's I, not a, quite an adversarial thing. That's not quite the right word, but the. The traditional, well, go figure out your business model and then, you know, get that fixed and then come back. But they don't even say, nobody tells them that they have a problem with their business, right? They just say, oh, uh, yeah, can't can't lend you money right now or not willing to invest right now. And. And so people are just sort of flailing, right? So I'm I'm super impressed by the degree to which you guys are making an investment and helping folks be successful. 
and we just think that let it, you know, letting people and the entrepreneurs uh, flail, as as you mm-hmm. said, um, it's both uh, sad and and dangerous, really. Totally. Um, I mean, we we we, ha- we just have to pay attention because too many uh, food entrepreneurs are are too often getting left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, it can be due to lack of capital, but also due to lack of experience and the right types of support. So we we really place an emphasis on um, supporting these community food entrepreneurs, which are foundational to their communities, with mm-hmm. the right types of capital and the right resources to empower them to, as we like to say, turn passion and potential into profit and impact. Mm. You know, you use the word, I think you use the word wellness when you we started this, that that's part of your, um, when you're looking at social impact and community impact. Um, could you elaborate more on that? Well, we think, well, I think that the terminology that I used was, um, community health and wealth. Right? Okay, so, that's what she said. So All right. Every, yep. Right. And so in every in everything that we do at Fair Food Network and the Fair Food Fund, uh, we're really all about growing community health and wealth through food. Right. And we think about, you know, for example, we think about community health in terms of uh well, healthy food. Mm-hmm. Healthy local uh fresh food. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're allowing, uh, consumers, uh, low income, low income consumers to purchase more, uh, locally sourced, locally grown, healthy fruits and vegetables, uh, through our double up food bucks, healthy food incentive program. And and also through the fair food fund and Michigan good food fund by supporting entrepreneurs that are producing, healthy food, uh, and, and selling that healthy food in low income communities like fresh food generation mm-hmm. is doing with their healthy food cafe in, in Dorchester, in the Dorchester neighborhood of Boston. And then we, we think about, uh, community wealth in terms of, um, not only job creation and business creation and, and growth in, uh, underserved communities, um, but also in terms of uh, diverse leadership and ownership opportunities. So when we talk about creating opportunities for more people in more places, too often um, women-led companies and people of color-led companies uh, are, are are left behind and are not well served by traditional uh, lenders and investors. And so, you know, especially moving forward, we're, we're especially cognizant, um, that we want our portfolio to be an accurate representation of the societies where we live and work and those that we want to support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's always interesting to me when I work in communities that are, um, more economically challenged, put it that way, um, and and more diverse entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I, I I as a woman entrepreneur, I I often say, look, I broke a lot of ceilings in my my business mm-hmm. career, and being an entrepreneur at the scale I was was definitely ceiling breaking uh, around here, anyway. 
Um, but now I go to I in part of my work I end up working with communities where people um, it, it it just the the layers of complexity for them that uh, in things that like I would never even think of. So as an example, a woman entrepreneur in Durham who's black said to me, I can't just get on a phone and call a realtor or call because she was looking for space or call a realtor mm-hmm. or call a landlord because they will hear my voice and know that I'm black and they will never even talk to me. Mm-hmm. And and somebody mm-hmm. like that, like I, I, you know, there's so many problems being an entrepreneur, period. And then you're a woman and then you're black and you're in a culture like that. Like, holy cow, these folks need a lot of, you know, it goes back to the, the degree and breadth of technical assistance that you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. I, 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 I agree. And that's, you know, stories like that are, are so sad. And, you know, and this is a woman gotta, who has a change. Yeah, that. no. And this is a woman who has a vegan catering company and, um, and 250,000 in sales. So that means that this is an incredibly talented entrepreneur who's managed to right. build something like that with that. Oh, and she has no credit history because she was married and, and her husband, it was all in her husband's name. So I, I mean, right. you know, just those things that we just, I, I, you know, I get the woman part because I share that with her, but the rest of this man, I, I can't even fathom how she's managed to be this successful. Sure, and you know, part part of it too. So there's there's a technical assistance component that we've talked about. There's an access to capital component that we've talked about. Um, there's also there's also the the networks, right? Mm, the, the personal and professional networks, and you know, so often, uh, you know, in the investing space, we we hear about you know friends and family mm-hmm. investment, right? And and friends and family networks, and not everybody has access to friends and family money or right. or or expertise or or those types of networks that they can mobilize to launch and grow their businesses mm-hmm. you know so so we 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 aspire to be you know in for people who don't have that type of friends and family network um we aspire to be their network the mm-hmm. fair food network mm-hmm. right and i think that's an important piece of of really our value proposition the value that we provide to mm-hmm. to entrepreneurs is that we've been involved in this space uh, a, a long time. We've got a lot of experience and expertise in food, and, you know, we know we know a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, across, across the country, uh, and so we're always mindful to do whatever we can, whether or not we're able to support a business directly mm-hmm. to connect them with other folks uh, that we think can be helpful to them on their journey. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's so true. When I, um, when I was, um, planning and working to get Tara's way off the ground, I was in a CEO group. Um, I had been, because I had been running another company before, um, 
And I tell people, I think people think that great business leaders, like they just somehow know how to do all this. And actually they don't. Like they were as clueless as I was, right? People running $300 million companies were in this mm-hmm. in this CEO group with me. And I could never have raised the $14 million I needed to raise to start Terra's Way if it hadn't been for my CEO group in just so many dimensions of network and just the, you know, supporting me emotionally while you're going through the roller coaster of everybody saying no, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, immeasurable help. And and they're running companies and they go, oh, yeah, I got this problem. I got this problem with employees. Oh, you should try this, you know. And and yeah, so so getting getting these entrepreneurs into networks that can be functioning that way is is so valuable. I, I totally agree, you know, and I, and I've seen it in my, in my own, uh, life and work experience, you know, uh, our, our friend and colleague, uh, John Hamilton, uh, who works up at the New Hampshire community loan fund, mm-hmm. uh, he established a number of years ago, a near equity, uh, or alternative lending peer group, nice. um, that I've been a member of for a number of years. You know, and especially, uh, you know, coming out of graduate school and, and not coming from an investment mm-hmm. background. Right, right. That peer-to-peer experience has been invaluable for me Yeah. Uh, to learn the, the trade of being a lender and an investor mm-hmm. and a technical assistance provider. So I really appreciate uh, and value the power of peer-to-peer mm-hmm. learning. It's something that I'd like to... Uh, do more of yeah. uh, in our work at yeah. Fair Food Network and, and through the Fair Food Fund. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because it's sort of been the the other folks that I, I work with who are really um, technical assistance providers more than funders. You know, we all kind of um, do this how to say this, we're kind of mentoring people, like we help them, I help them raise money, or we help them raise money, but they don't go away, because if they're successful, they need to raise more money to keep growing, right? So they keep coming back. And then you're like, boy, it would be really good if we could have a peer group of these rock star people that we're working with, um, so that they could be um, sharing and learning from each other, too. Yeah, it's a, it's it's super valuable. So can I just ask you too about the um, Double Up Food Box? I know that's not in your fund, but it's such a a great program that Fair Food Network does. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. So uh, here's what I can tell you about Double Up Food Box. So Double Up is a healthy food incentive program. Uh, and we originally piloted the program uh, in Detroit in, I believe, five farmers markets uh, way back when, in, in 2009, actually, when I was um, doing my first internship with mm-hmm. Fair Food Network. And the way that it works is it provides a one-to-one match uh, for food stamp dollars spent on uh, fresh fruits and vegetables and mm-hmm. farmers markets. Uh, and now at grocery stores as well. Hmm. Um, and and we really think of it as a, as a win-win-win, right? So it's providing more healthy food for families. It's providing better uh, business, new markets for farmers, uh, and a boost for local economies because that money is now recirculating through those local economies. Um, so, so 
from 2009 uh, to, to now, to 2019, um, we, we've really grown that program significantly. Um, so we're now operating, we've gone from five to 250 sites mm. uh, where Double Up Food Bucks is operating in Michigan. And this year we'll be active uh, at actually 750 sites uh, in in 20 plus states uh, across the country. That's fantastic. So, um, so it's uh, does somebody approach Fair Food Network if they're running, say, running a big farmers market and they want to see if it's possible? Is that how that would work? Uh, sure. I think you know there are probably times when when we reach out to folks, and mm-hmm. other times when when folks reach out to us. Right. Right. That's yeah. That's fantastic to to hear about that program. So. Yeah, um, and it's. I would. I would just add. I mean, it's just to kind of put this in in perspective. Uh, so since two thousand nine, mm-hmm. uh, Double Up Food Box plus SNAP, um, mm-hmm. which is essentially the food stamp program as it's been renamed. So between the two programs, um, it's it's really put fourteen and a half million pounds of healthy food mm-hmm. uh, on the tables of folks mm-hmm. nationwide and mm-hmm. generated. Um, actually, $23 million in sales, mm-hmm. uh, which directly benefit local family farms and, right. and local businesses like grocery stores. Right. So uh, with your fund, are you thinking of scaling up out of New England? Can we get you here? Uh, <laughs> <Is> that <what? laughs> that's, a, that's a great question, Tara. So, so we are, we, and we have been thinking a lot about uh, scaling up, in mm-hmm. particular, over the last six to twelve months. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not we will land in Wisconsin, I think, is an open question. But right. we are planning to come to Michigan, and mm-hmm. right now we do operate across uh, not only the six New England states, but also New York, mm-hmm. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and we and we've actually served businesses through our financing and technical assistance in, in each one of those nine mm-hmm. states in the, in the Northeast. Um, and, mm-hmm. and we're active in terms of pipeline uh, development and, and communications uh, on the Michigan Good Food Fund sure. program uh, in Michigan as well. So we've mm-hmm. really gotten to know the, the good food entrepreneurship landscape there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've gotten to a point now where um, – We've invested just about 90% of the capital that we have available mm-hmm. to invest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've been spending a lot of time over the past six months planning for uh, expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so what we're, what we're doing now is we're actually um, beginning to go out to market to raise uh, $30 million mm-hmm. uh, through a combination of grants uh, and patient debt mm-hmm. uh, from accredited investors mm-hmm. to expand the fund. And really our goal is to grow our portfolio of investments um, five times over the next five to seven years uh, to a $15 million portfolio where, where we think at that scale we can fully cover our mm-hmm. operating costs through through earned income from the sure, fund. Sure, sure. Sure. So then, um, so you're going to be looking for impact, accredited, impact-oriented investors, right? To to 
loan mon to loan you money to scale up the fund. Sounds like absolutely, absolutely yeah. cool, cool. Yeah. So, well, a couple of things. The first is that um, it, it's so interesting to me because capital, in general terms, capital in this country is on the coast, and so the innovation mm-hmm. in capital ends up on the coast and. It, it is now becoming another dimension to, you know, the what I, you know, you hear the, the urban-rural divide, that kind of conversation. And I, right. I, I see it becoming another dimension to that, that there's so much activity and options if you are, you know, you have other obstacles if you're trying to be a farmer in the Northeast. Um, um, you know, infrastructure isn't as strong as it is here, for example, but there's so many more options. And then there, then it's flyover territory around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think Minneapolis yeah. is yeah. trying to, you know, work on it and, and Michigan is trying to work on it. And, you know, I, I see, I see efforts like that. It's just, it's a frustrating thing for me because I work a lot with rural communities and a lot with farmers who are just not in places like that. Right. No, I, 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 I understand it's, it's tough. And I think you're, you're right that um, the majority of the investment capital in this country is concentrated in uh, urban centers along the coast. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so we're, I mean, we're really mindful of that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We've placed a lot of emphasis on um, doing work in places like rural Maine, right? Mm-hmm. So as one, as one example, uh, last year, we made a convertible debt investment in a company called Pemaquid Muscle Farms. Neat. Um, and this is, yeah, this is a, this is an innovative aquaculture business. Mm-hmm. They're growing mussels on new types of technology. So submersible rafts, they're, they're off the coast of Maine. Hmm. Um, they're, they're up there in pretty rural area. Mm-hmm. Um, and their founder, uh, Carter Newell, he's been involved in the muscle industry for decades, 30 mm-hmm. years. I think we met him at a at a actually a slow money uh, gathering mm-hmm. up in Belfast, Maine, um, <laughs> so mid coast Maine, mm-hmm. um, and that was fall of of 2016. And you know we went we went to visit. We got to talking and thought that there might be a way for us to support him as he was um, kind of commercializing the submersible raft technology and, and growing his fleet of submersible rafts. Uh, we went, we went up to visit, uh, actually got, got out, uh, onto the barge with him and collected some mussels back in the spring of 2017. Um, got to see the whole operation and action. And then importantly, uh, we tasted the mussels. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're absolutely extraordinary. Mm. You know, I, I love seafood. Uh, I love mussels, um, coming out of, PEI, but these are these are just on a completely different level, um, and so so we ended up making that convertible debt uh, investment. Uh, in uh, let's see, actually, so that was uh, uh, it was actually the summer of 2017 mm-hmm. when we invested and then made a follow-on in early 2018. Um, and you know, I mentioned this. Uh, in in part because you know this is a this is a, a small business in in rural Maine um, 
you know, the fishing industry has been hit hard up there. Fishermen and women have lost their jobs and businesses like this, mm-hmm. um, through the power of innovation, um, are beginning to put people back to work mm-hmm. in rural communities. Uh, and that's, that's so, so important. It is. Um, so I'm, I'm really proud that we're able to support businesses like that in rural communities. Yeah, and the fact that you put the emphasis you do on farming and the connection to small farms, it's, you know what I mean, you're doing, you're investing in entrepreneurs, but one of your criteria is you like to see them working with small family farms, and and that that too is putting income back in rural communities. Right. I mean, the the small small farms uh, are just so critical and foundational, uh, you know, certainly in New England and the, in the Northeast, um, to our, our culture and our tradition and our, our rural landscapes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it would be such a shame and terrible for so many reasons to see those farms going away. And so, you know, part of the puzzle is, is helping farms to to grow, diversify, adapt, and uh, you know we're we're happy to to play a role in that. Um, in some cases, through direct investments, um, be that in an innovative aquaculture operation like Pemiquid or uh, greenhouse uh, grower microgreens like Radical mm-hmm. Farm Company, um, or by supporting middle of the supply chain businesses um, that are paying those those small and mid-sized farms a fair price mm-hmm. uh, that they can't get on the on the open market and providing them profitable and stable markets, which is so critical. Right, right. So, wow, we have covered a lot of ground. Have we missed anything? Yes, we have. <laughs> have we missed anything? I don't think so. I, I, I feel like we... We really did a good job of covering all of the bases yeah. this morning, Tara. Yeah, it, it's amazing how that works, isn't it? I, I, I'm it just, sure is. Yeah, no, and I'm so, I'm so grateful that um, you joined us, and um, and and I, I, I'm on. I really do wish we had more um, funds out there who are behaving the way you are with the kind of impacts that you are seeking to make. Um, so we're just going to have to help you get bigger. That's all. Well, well, we'll take all the help we can get, Tara. <laughs> and it's uh, it was a it was a pleasure uh, joining you this past summer for the uh, for the for the training seminar. Yeah. Um, I I learned I learned a ton, and it's been great to get to know you, and really appreciate you having me on the Edible Alpha podcast yeah. this morning. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us, and um, we'll stay in touch and watch your progress. All right. Thanks so much, Tara. Of course. Bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.